How are you this morning? Man, Teen Camp was so awesome. Also, I thought Jake and Lucy did an awesome job on our welcome. I almost felt like I didn't have to come up here this morning. But I am. And I hope you guys are having a great morning so far. I thought the worship was incredible. I don't know about you. I I think it's just been an incredible morning thus far. And uh, I'm grateful that you're here. If you're visiting, welcome. Uh, Today is our our teen-led service. It's entitled All In. And you got to expect with a title like that, All In, there's going to be some challenge today in in what we're going to be talking about. So I hope you're ready. And uh, like uh, Jake had said in the welcome, the theme of our camp this year was All In. And so the title of my lesson is All In. And today we're going to talk about what does it look like to have a faith that is all in. An all in faith. Like big, extraordinary, audacious, huge, amazing faith. And this, and no matter where you're at in your life right now, whether you're here and you're a disciple, this is good for you because every once in a while we need to be reminded of what all-in faith is like. And if you're visiting here this morning, this is going to be great for you because you're going to learn what all-in faith looks like. And that's incredible. I hope you're ready. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to go on a ride. And the way we're going to discover that this morning, the way we're going to discover an all-in faith today is in a few minutes, I'm going to read several verses to you. Several things that Jesus said. Because really, Jesus was a man of great faith. Right? Jesus was a man of great faith, obviously. And these verses basically explain how his faith was a reality and how he lived it out. And these verses reveal how Jesus had an all-in faith. And then at the end, I'm going to read some of those uh, happy Bible verses that we all love to go to, all the ones that people love to use. And these are the verses that uh, say, you know, if you believe, then you will receive. And if you ask, you'll get it. And these are the verses that, strangely enough, Christians and non-Christians love to go to to, in an attempt to do something that really, I think, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. And I just kind of want to rant on this for a second. Uh, This is not a part of my lesson, but uh, this is just something that drives me crazy because it's hard to find any religion... It's hard to find any system of how the world works or any view of the world. It's hard to find any of those that doesn't try to hijack the message of Jesus. And as a disciple, I just would love to say to those people, Hey, look, can't you make your own system stand on its own two feet? Do you really have to prop it up with Jesus? Can we just leave Jesus out of it? I mean, seriously, find any self-help book or modern philosophy and there's something about Jesus in it. And what they do is they go through the Bible and they find those Bible verses that say something like, if you believe, then you will receive. And then they go, see, even Jesus said that if you believe, you can get whatever you want out of life or ask me anything in my name. And I will do it. And there are all kinds of verses in the Bible like that. That if you take them out of context, you can make them sound however you want them to sound. And the reason why these people do this, and I hope you've realized this by now, 
is eventually your success is not what they want. It's shocking. I know. It's crazy. Sorry, my slideshow. Uh, it's shocking. You know, if they, what your, your success is not what they want. They want you to buy something. It's a marketing strategy. You see, most people have some level of respect for Jesus, especially in America. And if somebody can take the words of Jesus and blend it into their way of thinking, their religion, their philosophy, it gives them traction and it gives them leverage. And it drives me crazy. Because when you read the words of Jesus, and I mean you read all the words of Jesus, not just your favorite ones, not just the magical verses, and not just the happy ones. When you read the whole story, Jesus is really, really clear. And what he's clear about is that he was a man of all-in faith. Yet his faith wasn't something that he leveraged to do something extraordinary on his own. His faith wasn't something that he leveraged to get the world to work his way. And his faith wasn't something that he leveraged to get God to do something that he wanted him to do. This man of extraordinary faith was also a man who was extraordinarily surrendered to God. And as you open the Bible... Something becomes very clear as you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And that is that all in faith equals complete surrender. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. All in faith equals complete surrender. And faith is confidence that God is who He says He is. And that He will do everything that He promised he would do. Faith is the confidence that God is who He says He is and that He is promised. He will do all that He has promised to do. So if we really believe that this morning, if we fully embrace that, the logical response to believing that there is a God who knows your name and He is who He says He is, He is a sovereign God. A sovereign God that loved you enough to send His own Son down on this earth to die and pay for your sins. If you really believe that, the logical response is not what you can do, what can you do for me, God? What can you do for me? The logical response to that is how can I serve you? The logical response to that is not leveraging your faith for your own benefit. It is complete and total surrender. So when we open the pages of Scripture, you don't find a Jesus that's leveraging his faith or even leveraging his power for his own benefit. It is always for the sake of his Father in heaven. And here's why I'm going on and on about this. You're like, why are you talking about this? Here's why I'm going on and on about this this morning. Because we as a culture, and especially as Americans, because we are so get-it-done oriented, we like to get things done. And that's a good thing. Because we are, so, we are such positive thinkers, and that is a good thing. I'm not saying these things are bad. But because we are so progress-oriented, so wealthy, so in control, or at least we like to live 
like we're in control, right? Because we are that way. We are suckers. Oh, gosh, we are suckers for anybody that comes along and says, here's how you do it better. And here's how you do it skinnier. And here's how you do it longer. And here's how you do it faster. I mean, do you ever, I mean, okay, do you ever listen to the radio or TV and ever, ever wonder why all those ads are on there? Okay, maybe you haven't. At least I do, okay? I'm always thinking, okay, if it is that good, why are you even in business? You should be done. Why do you even have an ad? You should be on the beach somewhere if it's that easy. And my point is this. We will always, as a culture, because we're so prosperous, we will always be, as a culture, a sucker for here's how, and here's faster, and here's longer, and here's greater, and here's richer. That's just always going to be there. That's never going to go away. But I just want to say one thing this morning. Please leave Jesus out. Amen? Let's leave Jesus out. Don't try to incorporate Jesus into that way of thinking. It's ignorant. It's like somebody who hasn't read the whole story. It's like if you saw me go to the dentist this week and you go, Mike loves going to the dentist because I saw him going to the dentist. Well, how do you know that? Because I saw him going to the dentist. He loves it. Okay. I hate going to the dentist, and I'm pretty sure nobody likes going to the dentist. So don't take one little piece of my life and make a case for it. And, Je- and people do this with Jesus all the time. Because what you will discover is if you read the Gospels, is if you want to be like Jesus, and you want to have an all-in faith, Jesus had extraordinary faith. But his faith led him to complete surrender. Now, here's the warning. If you're considering becoming a follower, if you're considering becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, or you're studying the Bible, a big part of following Jesus is surrender. A big part of following Jesus isn't now that God loves me because I love his son, God is going to do whatever I want him to do. That's not a part of the equation. And if you don't hear anything else that I have to say here today, here's what I want you to know about faith. Faith is confidence that God is who he says he is. And he will do everything he has promised to do. And he might say yes to some of your prayers, but he might say no. But faith is simply waking up every morning and saying, God, you are great and I trust you. And my all in faith is going to be going to be displayed in this world. As complete surrender. And that is what having all in faith looks like in this world. Complete surrender. So let me read you a couple of verses and then we're going to go read those happy Bible verses. And then I'll kind of tie this whole thing up. Here in just a minute. So if you want to follow along, I'm going to be looking through, you know, a number of different scriptures. So get your fingers ready to follow. And if you fall behind, it's okay. I'll have them up on the screen. So no worries. So we're going to start in John chapter five. John chapter five. And we're going to go through a bunch of verses in John. 
And then we're going to end up in 1 John. Now let me tell you what that means. John was a follower of Jesus. He was actually one of the 12 apostles, one of Jesus' closest friends. And after Jesus had left, John had wrote some letters to the early churches in the first century. And that's where we get 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He also wrote the book of Revelation, but we're not going to get into that today, fortunately. Okay? We're not going to get into Revelation. So let me read you and walk you through these verses. And here's what I want you to pay attention to this morning. One simple theme. And that is Jesus with all His power. And Jesus, with all of his faith, was not here to do his own will. He was here to do the will of the Father. As you become or consider becoming a follower of Jesus, it's not about how to get God to do what you want him to do. That's not what it's about. But in following Jesus, great faith equals great Surrender And to be all in means that we need to be completely surrendered to God. And that might seem a little threatening to you. But as you will see here in a minute, it's the only way to go. So let me read you these verses. And we're going to start in John chapter 5, verse 30. And I'm actually going to ask you some questions, so please talk back, okay? Here we go, John chapter 5, verse 30. It says, By myself... I can do what? Nothing. Now, Jesus, that's kind of negative. If you go around for the rest of your life saying, I can do nothing, I can do nothing, then Jesus, you won't do anything. You've got to be positive. Sorry. Okay. You just needed to be encouraged a little bit. You needed a little bit of pep talk. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So wait a minute, Jesus. You mean you're not here on a happiness quest for what makes you most happy? No. So wait. So then what are you doing here? Do you have like your own agenda? Do you have your own goals? Is there something that you have to do? Jesus is like, no, it's pretty simple. I'm here for one simple reason. I'm just here to figure out what God wants done. And I do that. I don't do anything on my own. I'm a simple man with a simple plan. Well, Jesus, that's a little bit passive. Well, maybe so. But I'm not here to do anything on my own. I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me. And if you follow Jesus, that's where you go. That's where we go. John chapter 12, verse 49. John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus says, For I did not speak of my own accord, But the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. So, Jesus, let me let me get this straight. You let God put words in your mouth like you don't have anything to say on your own. No. But Jesus, you're Jesus. Check your name badge. You're like the man. You could say whatever you want and it would be awesome. 
It would be great. And Jesus says, yeah, maybe so. But I didn't come to speak my own words. That's not why I'm here. In verse 50, he continues. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the father has told me to say. So let me get this straight again, Jesus. Let me let me see if I got this right. You're here to just do what God says to do. And you're here just to do what the God says to say. Yep. That's it. Yep. You don't have your own agenda. Uh Uh-uh. You don't have your own plans and goals. Nope. One simple plan. I just do what I think my father's will is. And I say what my father would have me say. Gosh. It makes you wonder why people followed him. John chapter 6. Verse 38. John chapter 6. Starting in verse 38. Listen to this one. For I have come down from heaven not to do... What's the next word? My. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. Wow, so Jesus, you don't do whatever you want to do? No, here's how it pretty much works for me. I came to do what the Father says to do. I came to say what the Father says to say and to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. So you're like totally under someone else's authority. Like you're totally taking your cues from somebody else. You don't have like your own deal going here, Jesus? No. Wow. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone do that? Why would anybody want to take anything you have to say seriously? You have like no agenda. Well, actually, I do have an agenda. My agenda is to do the will of the Father who sent me. But Jesus, why? Why? Well, because I am all in. My faith is all in. I believe God is who He says He is. And God will do everything He promised to do. And if there is a God that can be trusted that way, then why would I show up with my own agenda? Isn't the logical response to that kind of faith surrender? Wow. In verse 39. Jesus continues. And this is the will of him who sent me. Yeah, tell us what that is, Jesus. That I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So Jesus, God's will is all about other people. Yeah. So there's nothing in there about a car. There's nothing in there about you. So like. Your will is to do the Father's will, and the Father's will just kind of skips right over you, and it's all about other people? It's like selfless? Yeah, pretty much. Dang. I don't want to do that. Why would anybody hijack anything you have to say? It's so passive. You're only here to do what the Father says to do, and to say what the Father says to say, and to accomplish the will of the one who sent you. 
Yet here we are, 2,000 years later, gathered in his name. That's pretty good for passive, if I have to say so. No one's going to be reading what you have to say in 2,000 years. No one's going to be reading what you have to say in 200 years. I'll even go as far as 20 days, okay? 20 days from now. But if this is something that you wrestle with here this morning, I have another question for you. How did this kind of stuff ever make it out of the first century? I mean, why would you ever want to write this down? Why would you follow somebody like this? Get me a job. Get me something quicker. Get me something that lasts longer. Get me something that's bigger and better, that makes me more wealthy and more popular. I can go with that. But wake up every day to to do the will of the Father. To say what the Father says and accomplish the Father's agenda, agenda. I don't know about that. And let me just say this. If at any point you are going to intersect with Jesus' words, you have to know where he's coming from. If at any point you're going to leverage Jesus' words for something that you want, you have to know where Jesus is coming from. It wasn't about that for him. It wasn't about that for Jesus. Because all in faith resulted in complete surrender. So, let me ask you, you ready to go all in? You're like, well, what about the healed and the be richer? Where, where are all those? Where are all that? Where's all that at? Well, I want to read you a few verses and, and where that all comes from. But as we read these verses, I want you to see these verses. I want you to comprehend them through the lens of what Jesus already has said. That sound good? I. And that is, I didn't come to do my will. I didn't come to say what I want to say, but to say what he wants me to say. And I came to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Now, with that being said, with that as our background, with our con- as our context, listen to this. In John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, and verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, people love this verse because, bro, look what Jesus did and you can do even greater things. Sister, look what Jesus accomplished and you can do greater things. Jesus has promised that you are going to do even greater things than him. And your self-esteem starts to rise up and your chest puffs out a little bit. And if we could tap into that kind of power, imagine what you and I can become. Imagine that. But I'm telling you, if you hung around Jesus and you heard him say that, that wouldn't even cross your mind. It's not even an idea in their head, because his followers understood that when he said you will do greater things 
than me. All that meant was as you surrender to the Father, your Father is going to do greater things through you than He did through Him. And when you go all in, God is willing to do great things through you. But they're not going to be for your benefit. They're going to be for the benefit of other people. This isn't about you making a list and saying, Jesus, you promised. Jesus, look what you said here. That's not what it's about. This is about you getting on your knees and saying, what's next, God? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? And here's an even juicier one in verse 13. Check this out. Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Now that will preach right there. Right? That will preach. Jesus will do anything if you ask Him to do it. And if you have enough faith and if you, have a, and if you believe, then you will receive and we all go, yeah, we start clapping That's awesome. And it feels so good. And it sounds so good. But you haven't listened to the whole deal. You don't know the whole story. Jesus hears that and goes, whoa, hold on for a minute. Slow your roll. Nobody sitting around the fire that night thought that was what I meant when I said that. They knew that when I talked about receiving and doing, it was receiving and doing the will of the one who sent me. This isn't about getting God to do the things that I want him to do. This is about surrendering to God and saying, God, I want you to do in my life whatever you want to do with my life. I want you to to do whatever you want to do in my marriage. I want you to work in my family. I'm here to do what you want me to do and to say what you want me to say and to do your will, not try to figure out how to do mine. And then later, John would say to this group of Christians in a different way in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. In verse 15, And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. John is basically saying in all of this, that he's saying, look, look, you are to be like Jesus. The point of your life is to spend your time trying to understand what God's plan is for your life and what his plan is for this world and then get in line with what God wants done. And then God is going to do what God does. And if you're in sync with him, then he's going to do what he wants to do through you. How incredible is that how amazing 
is that. Being all in. Sounds like this. God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want me to do this year as I go to my high school? What do you want done at my high school? God, what college do you want me to go to? God, what do you want me to do with this relationship? God, what do you want me to do in my career? God, I will do whatever you want me to do because I am all in. And you are God and I'm not. And I believe that you can do anything you want to do. And I want to be in sync with that, God. So God, I'm surrendering. I just want you to, I want to do what you want me to do. Now my question for you this morning is why don't we do that? Why don't we completely surrender to God? Because we're scared. You're like, dude, that is scary right there. I like it when I say, God, I need something. God, I need something that needs to get done, and I need your help. I like it when I have to say that. But you know what? That's not faith. That's not faith. That's something that I like to call backpack God. That's backpack God. I got God right here, and I take God wherever I want to take Him, and I also leave God wherever I want to leave Him. Because I'm going to go do something this weekend that I don't want you to be a part of. Oh, actually, I take that back. I am going on a plane trip. So uh, I do want you to be involved there when I go on the plane. I need you when I go on the plane, God. So I would like for you to be there with me. But when I get to the hotel, I'm going to leave you in the hotel until I get ready to leave and get back on the plane again. I need my backpack, God, with me. And you want to talk about scary That's scary. And honestly, that is how we can treat God. We ask God for something in one area of our life, but we are unwilling to invite Him into every area of our life. God, I want you to do just this one thing for me, but then I want you to get back into my backpack. And I'll decide when and where I'll bring you out again. What an insult. Really, what an insult to God. If you're not going to live your life like you can trust Him for everything, why do you get frustrated with God when He doesn't come through in the one little area that you've invited Him into? If you're going to live like there is no God... Why in the world do you get upset when God doesn't show up as God? Who do we think we are? What have we done? And then the ultimate insult is to come out with some new way of thinking or some new philosophy. And they start saying, we would like to invite Jesus into this new way of thinking, into this philosophy. And you know, Jesus did say, and the truth will make you free. And Jesus said, you, if you believe, then you will receive, oh, but not the cross, not the blood, not, not all that. 
I don't want that to be a part of it. We would like to just take the bits and pieces of Jesus and bring him into this new way of thinking that helps me get what I want out of my life. I'm telling you, it's an insult to God. It's ignorant. It's a, you haven't read the whole story. He came as a Savior who died and bled for you. And even though He was the Savior of the world, He didn't even have His own agenda. He just came to do what God said, to say what God said, and to do the will of the Father. Now, you may not like that, and you may not want to follow that, but at least have the courtesy then of leaving Him out of your life. Don't insult him by trying to pick him apart and treat him like someone he never came to be or even presented himself to be. Imagine living your whole life with backpack God. And then one day you meet the real God. And God goes, hey, what you got there in your backpack? And you're like, I thought I left. I thought we left, we left everything behind. I, I, that wasn't supposed to come with me. And I'm being, <clears throat> I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but there's going to come a time in every one of our lives where we realize how foolish that is. We realize how absurd that is. And all I'm trying to say is this. If you have decided to follow Jesus to be a disciple, that means that we need to be completely surrendered. If you decided to be a follower of Jesus, that leads to complete surrender. The greater your faith is, as in the greater your confidence is in who God is and who He claims to be, then the greater your surrender will be. The logical response to being in the presence of greatness isn't to bask in your own greatness. It's to get on your knee in the presence of greatness. Even Jesus, the Son of God, who had every right to do whatever He wanted to do, He said, I'm not going to leverage my will over the Father's will. I am so aware of how great God is. I have come only to do His will and say His words and to do His works. See, I think we all get to this point eventually, whether we choose to get here or we're forced to get here. And if life is going great for you right now and you got backpack God, that's okay. But if one day you suddenly find yourself smacked up against something that happened unexpected and little backpack God won't come out and all of a sudden everything around you is falling apart, I have some great news for you this morning. Broken people call his name and he answers. Broken people call on God and he answers. That's why most people come to Jesus through brokenness. We all have this idea of I am in control of my life and suddenly life just breaks that apart. And it just shatters that. And you realize, I'm not in control. Actually, I've never been in control of my life. And God says, if that's what it takes, if it takes that kind of brokenness, and if you refuse to bend your knee willingly, 
but you're forced to bend your knee through circumstance, that's okay. I'm still the God that can be found in your brokenness with grace and with mercy. And you will be so glad I don't fit in your backpack. You will be so glad that I am the sovereign God. And in that moment, you will understand that surrender, it's not something to be afraid of. Surrender is not something to be fearful of. Surrender is where you find peace. Surrender is where you find purpose for your life. And surrender is when your faith intersects with God's faithfulness. And suddenly you're going to have the aha moment where God comes alive in your life. And He will take you whether you come willingly or unwillingly. Whether your life is going great or your life is falling, falling apart. And that is the message of the cross. And what an opportunity you and I have this morning, today, before we have no choice, to become men and women of extraordinary faith, of all-in faith. Men and women who say, we are going to live our lives as if God is who He says He is, which means we are going to live lives that are surrendered. We are going to get up tomorrow morning and say, God, what would somebody who is me do if they were absolutely convinced that God is who He says He is? It means getting up every morning and praying these words, not my will, but Your will be done. That's the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that part of Jesus' prayer that we all know so well, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as in my life, as it is in heaven. It is a statement of complete surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. And that is the beginning. And that is the beginning of an all-in relationship with your Father through Jesus Christ. And that's why God sent Him into this world. That's why God gave Him to you and I. And that is why He said over and over and over again, that's why I didn't come to do my thing, but to do my Father's will. To do His thing. So let me ask you as we close out this morning, what does that look like for you? As I close out this morning, what does all-in faith look like in your life? I know it's scary, but what you're doing right now is even more scary. You're building your life on a foundation that will crumble when things fall apart. Yet, the good news is that God has invited you into a relationship that is characterized by trust. And trust is translated into complete surrender. And that is where life change takes place. Amen. I don't know what that looks like for you this morning. My suggestion is to pick an area of your life 
and start there. You know, for me this week, as I close out, I got to a point this week, you know, really leading the team ministry where I felt like, I don't know if I can do this. And I felt discouraged. And that's hard to believe just coming off a week at camp. But I just felt like, you know, I don't have what it takes because things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. And literally, like almost in tears, talking to my mom, talking to my wife and my dad. And I had to realize that I was only asking God for certain things, but I wasn't inviting Him into everything. And I had to surrender everything and go, God, do what you want to do. I want to be in line with that. Please use me in whatever you want to use me in. So I don't know what that looks like for you. But start in a place where maybe you're going through the most challenges right now. Start with your marriage. Maybe you just need to go, I give it all up. I surrender everything. And no matter where you are, you have been called to be in a relationship where you can trust God completely. And as I close out, great faith is great surrender. And faith is the confidence that God is who He says He is. And God will do all He has promised to do. Let's bow our heads and pray for the communion.